Cool. Welcome <clears throat> to Look at My Records. Here with my friend, Sam Sadomsky. So happy to be here. How Thanks, are Tom. you, man? Oh, I'm doing really well. How are you? Great. Yep. Great to see you. Likewise. Met through mutual friend, Mike Tarnofsky, yep. who I met through friend, Nick LaFalse. A lot of three, de- three, four degrees of separation here, so it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, and For- thanks to Mike and Nick LaFalse. Yeah. First saw you perform live at FM Bar in Jersey City last year. One of the best shows I've seen at that venue. It was packed. The place was packed. It was you, Edna, Seamstress. Was anyone else on the bill? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I think Mark uh, oh, Brewster. Brewster. Yeah. And another great artist. You guys are all very connected. We'll get into that a little later. Definitely. Yeah, it was a fun show. But tell me a little bit about your background in music. You're about to release a new album. I just learned you're from Reading, Pennsylvania. That's I thought right. you were from Westfield, New Jersey. Like my a common misconception. Uh, my girlfriend's from Jersey. My favorite artist of all time, Bruce Springsteen, is from Jersey. My best friend Mike is from Jersey. A lot of people have that misconception that that's where I'm from, but I'm not. I only I am passionate about Jersey, but I don't claim Jersey. Interesting. <laughs> You can claim it. I yeah. feel like you're an adopted son. I like your Jersey vibes. Thanks. Yeah, okay. For sure. I'm from Jersey. <laughs> you're, from, you're from New Jersey. Uh-huh. You're a Brig Springsteen disciple. I could definitely hear it yeah. in your music as well. You, right now, everything I've heard from you is solo work, playing acoustic guitar, mostly recording yourself, it sounds like, too. Yeah. Were you in bands growing up while you're in high school, stuff like that? Give us a little bit of background. Yeah. What type of music did you play totally. back then? Or, uh, So I was like a, a big, very typical classic rock kid uh, when I was young. And so I learned how to play guitar. And I was like, the first stuff was very, you know, you really got me, dream on, that kind of thing. And so the first band I was in was like fifth grade, kind of cutesy you know, kids doing classic rock covers, Wipeout, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, and then just by, like, weird uh, circumstances, we ended up doing all kinds of commercial stuff. Like, we were on, um, like, Nickelodeon and stuff. Wow. It was, like, an insane journey that, um, in my, like, young rebellion, kind of pushed me towards other kinds of music like I wanted anything besides like uh, Van Halen or whatever that we were playing and so I just spent a ton of time online and I got really into indie music and I got really into um, like freak folk was a really big thing then um, like uh, and so I started making my own music and on the side of what I was doing in the band that was like as different as I could possibly make it I was like really into the Decemberists and stuff yeah. so I was like making weird concept albums and like posting them to like the Joanna Newsom form and stuff. Um, but yeah, that just kind of like, after I left that band, I just kind of never stopped self-recording at sometimes taking it more seriously than others. But yeah, it's, it's been pretty much since like my young adolescence that I've been making records and self-recording. Interesting. So it was kind of a response to what you were, maybe you felt trapped in, yeah, sort totally. of? Yeah, totally. It was like, that was my version of like a school sport. Like if I was on the football team or something and my rebellion instead of like, I don't know, like drugs was like to make cute indie folk. 
So do you do you remember exactly when you started doing that? It's so interesting that you say you posted your songs on the Joanna Newsom forum. Yeah. Do you remember some of the early recordings you made? And totally. How you were able to discover music that inspired that? Yeah, well, two things with that. It was one, I'm like an intense self-archivist, so I still have pretty much all those early recordings. Um, I don't listen to them much, but yeah, the first album I made was it was literally called The Sorcerer so it was like songs about like wizards and stuff um, I'm sure it was just insufferable um, but yeah everything I got into was just through the internet because I lived in Reading, Pennsylvania so if I went to see shows I kind of had to go to Philly which I couldn't do that much so it was just like one thing leading to another just like reading interviews um, I, don't know, I think it was like the Decemberists like Colin Malloy covered Joanna Newsom, and that's how I got into Joanna Newsom. Then that got me into Drag City as a label, and it was just like one thing into another, just very alone on a computer, late at night vibes <laughs> in and the when, mid-2000s. And when you originally started recording, did you record yourself on computer and stuff like that at that point in yeah, time? It was. it started with just like audio recorder, like just the most... The, the, like, that one on Windows? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. like... And then when I realized you could overdub on that, first I realized you could put things in reverse, and it blew my mind. <laughs> like, I loved playing guitar and then putting it in reverse, and then I loved burning it on a CD and making it seem like it was, a, like, a product. Um, but, yeah, so it started with that, and then, like, I got a Mac that had GarageBand on it, and now... GarageBand is still what I use to record everything. Me too. We're using GarageBand right now, people, to record this podcast. (laughs) And tell me, you're known, from what I know about you, through Mike and Nick and Gabby from Seamstress. You have a really prolific output. Uh, Yeah. I just, like, am constantly writing and constantly making stuff. Like, that's just kind of the way it's always been. So do you... You don't really dwell on songs a lot. Do you just kind of get your ideas out there yeah. and move on and try to get the rawest form of the song out? Totally. For a really long time, it was like the writing of a song and the recording of it was pretty much the same process. It'd be like, I would just want to do it as quick as possible. Because I also like um, thought almost exclusively in the album format for the longest time with my music, where it was like, I don't know, I, I, I would be like, okay, well... I want to make this album so it needs track seven and it needs track one. And so I would just try to put it together as fast as possible, like at the expense of listenability probably. But that was like my goal. So if you're doing that, you can't really dwell or like, I don't know, maybe I should have. But yeah, it was a good exercise because now I feel like I can work quicker and yeah. How do you think that helps you as a songwriter? Do you think it really helps improve your songwriting? <laughs> or allow you to be as natural as you can be. Yeah. What's, and what's the philosophy behind that? Is there one or? Um, I think I always really admired artists who had really deep songbooks where like you could like find your own corner of it and that's like your favorite. I think I was always like wary of the myth of like someone like Neutral Milk Hotel, whereas like there's this one document and you just like return to it over and over again. Like I always liked songwriters who seemed to like making songs it like it just seemed fun to follow along with like um i don't know like when i was first getting into bruce springsteen when i was really young his newest release was the tracks box set and i think that was like really 
formative for me to think of making music that way, like in a craftsman way where it was like, it was like filling in the gaps between all his records and there's just so many songs and like you could imagine any of them having been like the title track to some album that didn't exist. Um, but I don't know, I sometimes, I always like, there's always people who are friends who make music who like suggest that I spend like a few years like working on an album and I just like, I learn how to cut songs and I just like pick the 10 best ones and I make it a record or like I feed it to a band and they play it and I sing it and that'll be the record and I don't know, I'm skeptical. <laughs> you Are you inspired by kind of DIY recorders, like maybe R, you know, it doesn't sound like R. Stevie Moore, but it seems mm -hmm. to be like a similar thing where he just put has put out stuff his entire career yeah. his own way, or like Daniel Johnston. Yeah, Daniel Stanley Johnston. Just, Stanley just passed away. Yeah, he was huge for me. Um, yeah, and even him making his cover art and like it all seeming to exist in the same universe. I tried to do that for a while where I wanted to draw all my album covers and have them like a kind of mythology to it, but I think I got bored of it or I just wasn't good enough <laughs> like an artist in that way. Um, but yeah, I never got deep into R. Stevie Moore, but I know he's like bros with Ariel Pink. I'm a big Ariel Pink fan. Yeah, he's just kind of a, had this really long prolific output basically and recorded yeah. everything himself. I mean, I like that. Yeah. I like artists where it's like, I don't know, you might like find some album they made that everyone hates that came out and like is like totally unloved but then you just find it and you feel like it's completely your own you know like even the artist maybe doesn't recognize its importance i like people like that me too and you have a new record coming out yeah it's called moments in doubt um cool tell us a little bit about it uh, sounds great very personal and intimate uh songwriting really evokes a lot of elliot smith vibes oh, thank when you. i listen to it yeah i'm a big fan of elliot smith um yeah th this actually is a longer amount of time like documented on an album i it literally like spans from january like right at the beginning of the year through the end of August. Um, yeah, I, like around the end of last year, I made an, there was like, okay, I put out four albums last year and to me they, <laughs> they all seemed kind of connected. Um, there was, there was one called So Quiet Tonight, which covered a really long amount of time. And then there was one called Set Out Running, But I Take My Time. That was kind of like, outtakes from that sort of and then there was one called by my side that was like after those songs and then there was one called possessed that i put out at the very end of the year and they all felt really like i i'm really proud of those albums but i felt like they were really sad like i, I thought the general message through them was like maybe one of hopelessness or like um i don't know uh, just really introspective stuff. So the idea for this year was to make a funny album, which was, I played a show with my friend Winston, who's in a band called Office Culture. Uh, do, do you know them? No. They're awesome. I gotta check them out. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands and they have a record coming out in November that's unbelievable called A Life of Crime. But I played a show with Winston and he did his set and his songs are so funny. And I kind of just like watched people in the crowd who didn't know him 
or didn't know his music and everyone was just kind of like on the edge of their seats because like when you have a songwriter who's like setting up stories and there's punchlines and stuff I don't know you just it brings you in and so my idea after that was like well I want to try to do that <laughs> um, in my own way and yeah and like we were, we were talking about this earlier but I also got really into prefab sprout and I was so into um, Patty McAloon the way his songs would have like jokes in them or like puns or you could write a song uh, like called I never play basketball now that was like just funny <laughs> like, <laughs> just stuff that like people wouldn't think to write about um, so that was the idea um, and I don't think that's totally what ended up happening but I definitely tried to write songs that were more um, that like kind of led you along more that were less depressive <laughs> that were like more having a conversation um, and yeah it like took a lot of different forms and it kind of came together slowly but once it did I was I was like very certain it was finished like I knew it like I could basically like see how it would come together and I wrote it pretty efficiently at the end but yeah I'm really stoked about it yeah it's great and Thanks. lyrically how do you write lyrics is it personal experiences this kind of more mm. lighthearted record uh yeah, I do it really quickly. Um, usually, like, I have a title, or, like, I'm just, like, constantly putting stuff in the notes on my phone. And, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, a good example. Some of them, like, come really quickly, like a song on the record called Ideas Guy. I like that song. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. picked that for us to, I guess, play. Nice, yeah. That one feels like the single to me. Um, but, yeah, I, like, literally wrote that in the shower. Like after watching Shark Tank, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I was just thinking of like someone eulogizing someone on Shark Tank, and just like, <laughs> and I thought of like all the rhymes and all of the um, like jokes and how it would begin and end. Um, yeah, some of them are like that, and then there's others where there's like a song called Country Snow Globe, which was like a phrase I had in my phone. Because I thought it was, um, I, I had like living in a country snow globe on my phone because it sounded like kind of funny or it seemed like there's a good metaphor. And then, yeah, I just kind of followed it. I'm trying to think if there's anything on the album that took a really long time. I don't think there is on this one. I think everything was pretty much written, uh, like pretty, pretty much in the order that it exists on the album. Interesting. So do you usually write your records in a linear fashion like that? Oh, this one's it's not presented chronologically. Oh, okay. I mean, like the songs as they are on the album oh, okay. are like pretty much how they came to me. Oh, okay. Um, but I did like, I re-recorded a lot on this. The, my first idea with it was to just do no overdubs and just have it be like 10 or 11 performances right in a row because I thought they would be so lyric focused that like overdubbing would draw away from it or make it distracting but then it just seemed uh tedious <laughs> like to listen to so i thought i could like make it more atmospheric or pad it out but yeah um no i, I never 
I don't think I have any albums that are in the order of when I wrote it. Yeah, that maybe would be the crazy. next one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah do it, yeah. do it. <laughs> I have an idea for the next one too. So uh, tell us about it. it. What's going on? Uh, next one. Let's focus on <laughs> the, one the, the next one. The title is going to be a joke about the doors. So that's what I'll say. <laughs> hey, who can't wait to hear it? <laughs> yeah. So are you going to play? You're going to play some songs yeah. here today? Yeah, totally. Awesome. What yeah. songs are you going to play? Uh, I was going to start with Ideas Guy. I thought that'd be cool. Great song. I love that song. That one jumped out at me. Here lies an Ideas Guy who did the best he thought he could. I wanted to pay tribute to the man. And not just the ideas that he had. Because life is not a contract Even though sometimes it can feel like that I thought I'd find a way Of moving things around So by my side this big picture guy Who can zoom us out till we're insect sized And point out how we're miracles of light but also just blips on a long timeline You don't eulogize a sunrise Or you'd be crying until night time Don't make me say it twice We're lucky to be alive And I know I am a real man's man I am my father's son But I don't belong to him all my mistakes are my favorite ways to remember It's the path that I have chosen And now everyone knows it The big ditch that the casket goes in Is never deep enough To keep the spirit from rising up so if I die an ideas guy, well at least I lived the secret life I wanted to pay tribute to the mind And not just the mask he left behind Although what a pair of bright blue eyes and Every time he flashed that smile, it helped me realize We're lucky to be alive Great song. Ideas guy. Thank you. Yeah. And it'll be on the next record by Sam Sadomsky. Yeah. So you perform under another name you were telling me too, right? Yeah, it's confusing. I'm like still th figuring that out because um, I was thinking of like taking this record more seriously and putting it on streaming and stuff, but I have like all these different monikers. It's like I play shows under my own name. My Bandcamp page is under the bird calls. This record's gonna be released as BCI, like which stands for Bird Calls Inc. 
Uh, nice. You got Bird Calls Incorporated. <laughs> filed yeah. the proper documentation. Yeah, we're all really state. psyched about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I, I I like BCI as the name. It's like makes me think of like Blue Oyster Cult or something. And any particular reason why you've performed under different uh, monikers? Do you th- feel like the songs under BCI or Bird Calls maybe have a different vibe, and it's why you're changing the name or maybe kind of just yeah maybe subconsciously yeah. i think i was pretty embarrassed of the bird calls name like and there's also other artists who seem to have that name because i see them in like my inbox or like shows they're playing um but yeah it's also it's like the bird calls was literally the name i used when i was really little making music and i just never thought of anything better it seemed like when I would try to change it in my head, it seemed dishonest. <laughs> like it was just like, "Who are you kidding?" <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I like subtly changed it on like certain releases to "Bird Calls Inc." or like, I think there's one that's like "Bird Calls Forever." Uh, <laughs> so there's no like big symbolic meaning. I think it's just like getting bored with things or having fun with it. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely fun. I yeah, gotta say. It's yeah, fun for sure. <laughs> we like it's it. Fun to have different names. <laughs> yeah, it's just it keeps things fresh. <laughs> cool. And uh, you want to play another song on the record? Yeah, or? sure. I'll play um, one that's maybe a little more upbeat, and uh, is like one of the songs that I thought was like a funny song. Cool. Uh, yeah, the song's called Alphabet Magnets. Alphabet magnets were falling off the fridge Scattered on the floor, inarticulate First came all the vowels, then fell the consonants Word war one, meaningless violence Dropped down to my knees, grabbed a couple in my hand The small words I could rescue were too vulnerable to stand Prepositions and conjunctions, ofs or ands Long for a connection, do what they can And I said to the reporter in my head The English language has fallen dead out in the bedroom, left the kitchen battlefield. I dreamt I was a warrior, punctuation was my shield. A semicolon sword slashing through each passing thought, dripping parenthetical blood, heartbeat dot dot dot. The epitaph read short and stark. No words can do you justice, exclamation mark, like alphabet magnets. Falling off the fridge They can never undo All the damage that we did Words when they're spoken Seep into your skin And a sentence once completed Cannot start over again So it's funny that during the interview you mentioned that the songs were funny. That was a funny song. Yeah. And I guess the, <laughs> the first time I did, when I listened to it I guess I must have been 
walking or I yeah. think I, I was listening to it while I was at work walking around. And so maybe I wasn't really focused in on the lyrics, but it's very funny. Thank you. And yeah. what, what was it inspired by? Just alphabet yeah. uh, on the letters on a fridge or writing in general, it sounds like. Definitely both. I do have uh, alphabet magnets on the fridge in my apartment and uh, me and my girlfriend Hazel have fun rearranging them to say different stuff. Um, but yeah, there's uh, the way I, the album is structured, there's like a group of songs in the middle of it that are all about household objects. Like I didn't realize I was doing it until I realized I was doing it and it was too late, but I was like, maybe only one of these needs to be on there because there's um, alphabet magnets, country snow globe, picture frame right in a row. And then I kind of liked the idea of having like this weird like centerpiece of the album where like inanimate objects kind of come to life and like turn violent or like um <laughs> it, it seemed funny or like scary or something it seemed like magical in a way the rest of the album was maybe very uh like based in reality but yeah i was that was like i wrote that song and it I was like floating all night. I was so happy with myself. <laughs> it's witty. Yeah. I definitely like it a lot. When I was really listening to you sing the lyrics. Oh, thanks. The ellipses, yeah. semicolon part. Very cool. <laughs> I was really the, proud of Word War One. Yeah, very great. <laughs> I didn't know uh, semicolon could be so violent. Yeah, me I neither. I think that was the violent one, right? Yeah. Nice. Yes. Brutal. <laughs> brutal ass semicolons people <laughs> steer clear of them for real try to avoid using them at all costs yeah I mean the president was having issues with punctuation oh, yesterday geez. I don't know if you saw that I did apostrophe I, hyphen. yeah he didn't know what a hyphen was <laughs> I, I truly feel like though he does stuff like that as a diversion like I think someone on his team comes up with stupid things for him to tweet so that people spend their days being like talking about that and like yeah. it, it almost like turns him into like someone who's not scary. Like there what was that thing where he like tweeted that moon is part of Mars or something. I don't remember that. He it's which is like the yeah. president tweeted that and it just like was like a blip. <laughs> but I just remember reading that and seeing like this sounds like something that was focus grouped for like what could go viral on Twitter for a day and like distract from the fact that like there's like I don't know actual awful things happening but yeah that's just my conspiracy theory yeah <laughs> so with your songwriting how mm -hmm. much do you view yourself as like a storyteller too as well through your songs definitely more so on this album uh i i after i i really liked the album i made at the end of last year called possessed but the songs were really zoomed out there's like a lot of space in them and there weren't a lot of characters or it's more abstract, like yeah. Clay, say. Yeah, yeah, and I think I just like wanted to pivot away from that because it can kind of become a crutch if like you're not writing so like I don't know for me at least I felt like I was maybe asking people listening to it to do more work than they have to, than they should. So I wanted to write something with like more words and more like um, kind of carrying people along more. So it's like you could just kind of close your eyes and like you'll get a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, I'm extremely skeptical of narratives. <laughs> like, I always hate songs that, like, end the story in the song or, like, seem to, like, each, I don't know, it's like the Tom Petty song, Into the Great Wide Open. Like, I love the chorus, but I hate the verses. 
but it's just like I don't need to know how everyone ends up and like <laughs> yeah. you could have just given one like one part of that story and like really I don't not to talk shit on Tom Petty because I love Tom Petty but I I've never tried to really write a song like that or at least not in a long time yeah it seems like it's kind of striking landing in between maybe like a sun kill moon oh, yeah. lyric lyricism which is very direct and yeah <laughs> line by line lays out everything that's going on kind of like stream of conscious and then yeah. something more abstract kind of like in between well i do like writing like stream of conscious stuff sometimes yeah. but i also think like what the kind of writing i do for a living is so based on like logic and like facts that it can it's like a f when i turn my brain off or like when I come home and I like write for myself the last thing I want to do is like make an argument or like I don't know get into the weeds with I don't know like making a big point of things like it's fun with songs that there can be mystery or like something magic about it you know cool yeah all right so do you want to play another song or you Ooh, I'll do one more song I'll do a song from the last album all right perfect yeah <clears throat> break off with nowhere to go I asked the time and you just said no When love dies you let the loved ones know Grandpa Is back off the wagon I left some of what he's having Locked in the cabin at napping You should have just said so, I guess true Love Needs no explanation Some things go without saying Debts you die without paying I've met you before today Because it feels so
sounded wonderful. Tell us a little bit about that song. What song was that that you just played? That song's called Break Off. Uh, it's the last track on the album Possessed. Um, yeah, I like that song. Beautiful song. Yeah, um, Charlie Stick, the great Charlie Stick, recently sent me, just for fun, he made a version of it where he took my recording and he added drums and bass and it sounded really wonderful. It just, it made me want to, I don't know, just put all my music through him before people hear it. <laughs> Charlie Stick, that's... Um, yeah, that's Gabby's yes, I'd fiance. See, I didn't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> Stick. Because <Yeah. laughs> it's got like an S-T-Y yeah, or something. Yeah, it's spelled in a really y- rock and roll way. Yeah, it's got, that guy's rock and roll. Yeah, to the core. Great guy. Yeah, truly. So rock So and talented. Roll. Very talented. Like, uh, it's not easy to take someone's lo-fi song and make it sound, I don't know, like so fleshed out without seeming, I don't know, unnatural. It just sounded really great. Yeah. Cool. So this is kind of cool because I think I've interviewed everyone in that songwriting group now. Oh, yeah. That included you, uh, Mike, yeah. Nick LaFalse. Yes. Uh, Gabby. Ryan Egan. Ryan Egan, yeah. who just moved to Paris. Yeah. What was that like? Does that exist anymore? Yeah, it actually does. Yeah. Uh, we kickstarted it. Um, like this summer again and this time it's smaller it's me and Mark and Gabby and Charlie and Mike Um, yeah it's what we do is just um, every week upload a song and comment on it Uh, and it's cool to work with or to like do that with people who are so advanced as songwriters where it's kind of like I don't know even if you're turning in a demo it sounds like you and you know you can like hear the growth and like where it fits in their body of work yeah it's been really cool yeah have you ever done anything like that before in a songwriting group or whatever no. i mean the closest thing was in college at a community of like a lot of people i knew were in bands and making music and so just by nature of like a small town we were all like always playing together and showing each other stuff but and then yeah i also did grad school so it's it reminds me a little bit of those workshops but more fun but yeah um it really is cool, and it's a great way to flesh out how many songs you have. Like, I mean, if you're writing a song every week, I don't know, you're, and like, let's say your batting average is like, I don't know, one every three weeks you want to keep and like hold on to and do something with. That's a lot of songs. Do you usually write under deadline-oriented stuff? Do you find you write better under pressure, or do you like to kind of spread things out a little bit? Um, one th- I'll pat myself on the back and say I'm pretty disciplined as a writer at this point. I mean, just because it's my job and I did school for it, and it's I don't know. I just love I love writing songs. Um, a deadline is really good for finishing things that you maybe wouldn't, because sometimes it's more appealing to um, not start a song from scratch. So you look in your notepad and like. And I, when I say notepad, I mean on my phone. Like, and I look in there and I see things where it's like a few lines, and I'm like, okay, let's do, let's look at let's turn that into something. So it's really good in that way. Yeah. Do you find yourself scrapping ideas a lot, or do you like to build off whatever you have? Do you ever write something and then kind of like toss it out completely? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like legit outtakes from this new album, which is kind of rare for me. Um, but yeah, I also make pretty short albums. So, though a lot of times a song like that I cut from one album, I put on the next one, or like make a whole album out of those songs. Um, 
But yeah, I don't really like throw out a ton of ideas. Like, yeah. I usually try to finish it, and then if I don't like the song, then I put it aside. But I don't know. I try to. I don't like having uncompleted project, yeah, projects. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> just with like stuff in general, I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. You know, it's like I kind of want to build off something. Yes. If I started it instead of throwing it out. But, yeah, it yeah. makes me like itchy if like <laughs> I know too, something's not done. Uh, all right. So let's transition to the second part of the show. Yeah. The record part. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So what'd you pick? Okay. What do we got here? First up, Kate Bush. Yeah. I picked um, Strange Phenomenon from The Kick Inside. Nice. She is so wonderful. Yes. Kate Bush. She is truly the best. And it's good. That song was like particularly important to me over the last year. Um, Cause I, she did those uh, remastered box sets yeah. and I bought the CD versions just cause the record ones were really expensive. Um, but it was like, it was so I was, sometimes I like buying an artist's like complete discography package together. Cause you can just listen to the whole thing and like you hear songs you didn't pay attention to or like albums you might've skipped over. And it was honestly like my first time listening to a lot of her first album. Cause I came to her with like, um, I'd listen to Hounds of Love, obviously, yeah. and then The Dreaming became my favorite because I was listening to the albums that orbited around it, and then so I knew like the big singles from the early ones, but this song, Strange Phenomenon, on Kick Inside blew my mind, just musically, as a song, and then when I looked at the lyrics and I realized it was about having your period, I loved it even more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my first pick. Excellent yeah. pick. What did you got next? Next. Prefab. Yeah, some Prefab Sprout, who were obviously, like uh, I mentioned, they're probably like the biggest influence on the record. And I'm like having a hard time picking what song I want from Steve McQueen, because I do love every song on that album, like to death. Um, and a part of me wants to say Horsin' Around, because it's like maybe the funniest song on there. Um, like the line where he's like, I was the one who always assumed that I'd wear the shoes and you'd be the doormat. Or the, yeah, like that's just funny. Um, but I'm gonna go with Appetite because it's just like a huge pop song and I think like one of the ones that really made their music come alive for me and then allowed me to like, I don't know, appreciate other stuff. So yeah, I'll go with Appetite. Excellent. And did that song particularly inspire you, lyrical style? Oh my God, sure. yeah. That song and Bonnie. Maybe I should go with Bonnie, actually. Cause, let's do both. Yeah. Let's do let's both, do both. man. I mean, they're sequenced together on the album. Perfect. And it's just like the heaviest one-two punch ever. Of just it's a like, knockout. Yeah. It's a knockout yeah, that'll, punch. Yeah, that'll get you flat on your back. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so pretty, I could just pick that whole record. But those are the two I'll go with. Though there's a direct reference to that album. Well, not direct, but this first song on my album, uh, Grateful, it's like doing like a little rockabilly thing, which is like me doing my version of the first song on Steve McQueen, Farron Young. Like I just wanted to begin like with some like badass like dunna 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 dunna, <laughs> like because it's just like the picture of them on the motorcycle in that song. It just like completely sets the wrong expectation for what follows. Um, yeah, it's like a good irony. So, but yeah, I'll go with um, I'll go with Appetite. Excellent, Bob Dylan next. Yeah, next one I pick Bobby D. Uh, just because I was stoked to see New Morning in your collection. I love that album. Uh, recently, I haven't been listening to a ton of Bob Dylan, but I should correct that. Um, 
But yeah, the song Sign on the Window, I love. And I always, it always like stood out to me on that album because it's like so sweet. He's, and he's like imagining like, he's like, maybe I'll move to Utah and like life will be sweeter out there. And then I found out it's because it's from a musical he wrote that never came to fruition. And so, <laughs> oh, I think my thing just. So yeah, I'll pick that song because you can imagine the Bob Dylan penned musical from the early 70s that that song would have been the climax to. What would that have been like? A Bob probably Dylan awful. written musical. It probably yeah. would have been really bad. <laughs> what would it even be about? Yeah, it's probably like, I mean, this song is kind of about like, I don't know, someone like longing for the good life or the simple life. He probably had the good life at that point. Yeah, I like, guess maybe not simple. But yeah. he did. I mean, because he it's kind Woodstock. of separated from society at yeah. that point, sort of. Maybe right? it was about that. Maybe yeah. it was like, I figured it out. Yeah. Let me help you guys. I don't know. Damn. Yeah. He's telling us. Yeah. He's schooling us. Yeah, as like always, Bob. the bard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my Dylan pick. Is that your favorite Dylan record, would you say? or uh, Nah, my favorite's probably like Blonde on Blonde yeah, or something. Yeah, I give him like every Dylan fan where it's like, I go through my phases where I'm like, no, like, Street Legal is his best album. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or like, Love and Theft is the actual masterpiece, but I mean, I wouldn't care about those albums if he didn't make Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, or, I mean, so. we probably would have never heard those albums right. if he didn't make Blonde on Blonde. It doesn't make them not good, but yeah. I'm not going to go around saying that like my favorite Dylan album is Empire Burlesque like cause it ain't it's not <laughs> and we're wrapping it up with, with Beach Boys with the Beach Boys busy doing nothing which Brian Wilson just played at a show I like can't imagine seeing Brian Wilson in 2019 and having him play like a deep cut from Friends yeah like <laughs> I saw the Brian Wilson when he played all of Pet Sounds at McCarran Park. Okay. And he didn't, I mean, he played all of Pet Sounds, but then the other songs he played were not deep cuts. Yeah. It was like Surfing USA. And that's what I would And imagine. I was kind of disappointed. I the wanted to hear yeah. other stuff. You should see him now, because I saw his set list from the other night, and it was like stunning. He played Till I Die from Surf's Up. Oh my God. Can you imagine? That's a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like, the mythology of Brian Wilson in my head is that he has all these like throwaway songs that he gave to the Beach Boys that I imagined he doesn't remember. Like, cause I yeah, imagine it was just like, true. he's like up against the wall and it's just like, I need a song. So I picked Busy Doing Nothing, which is a song I, that was brought to my attention by The Best Show. Like Tom played it once, or like talked about it. And I don't know, it's like one of those Brian Wilson songs where it's like, does this really need to be a song? Like the whole second half of the song is like, him driving and it's like so the first verse he's like giving you directions how to get to his house it's like <laughs> he's like take another left you'll see a number then you and then like the next verse is him trying to remember someone's phone number and he's like <laughs> the whole it's he just like narrates what it was like trying to think of the number and then he remembers it and calls his friend like it's just like beautiful yeah it's i love brian wilson songs like that um like solar system is another song i adore because it's just like somewhat deranged and also kind of inspiring that like anything can be a song um and it can be like beautiful absolutely <laughs> have, like a sweet melody amen yeah all right we got sam's picks five songs picks. kate bush two 
prefabs. Yeah. One Bob D. Yeah. One Beach Boys. Yeah. You're hearing them now. You're listening to Look at My Records. We'll be back to put a nice little bow on this great episode with Sam Zadomsky. Hell yeah.
shaded feelings I don't believe you When you were there before my eyes No one planned it to get for granted I count the hours since you slipped away Don't hold you, broken soldiers Then it's some ha 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 fades. 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 Then
wishing she could call him heartache, but it's not poisoning. If you grow up to be just like him, just like me, you're fighting for exclusive rights for honeymoons each sleepless night. In which case I'll call you appetite. Yes, I think I'll call you appetite. So if you take.
a cabin in Utah Marry me a wife gets rainbow trout Have a bunch of kids who call me We heard Kate Bush 
to Prefab, Bob Dylan, and the Beach Boys, Sam. Yes. Excellent selections. Thank you. And thank you for being on this show today and talking with me. It was a pleasure. I had a blast. Oh, it was truly a pleasure. Yeah. Cool. Any other plans for the rest of the year? You're going to record more or yeah. do anything else? Yeah, um, definitely. There will hopefully be... Uh, not hopefully who cares but there will probably be another album i put out this year nice um yeah it's it's coming along well yeah and everyone can find your music at thebirdcalls.bandcamp.com yeah and you're on facebook as yourself sam sadomsky yeah that's just my personal page yeah (laughs) any other socials for bird calls nah you can follow me on insta yeah Um, you got a great insta oh thank you yeah you've got a good insta too dude we're we're two guys on this podcast with great instas i'm like uh, instagram's like the social media i have a problem with i'm like truly addicted to it. me too yeah i so many visual stimulants it's and it's like all this stuff i love it's like my feed is such an escape it's just like all records and like cute animals and like my friends and stuff it's like why would i ever want to leave i someone showed me that thing where it can tell you how much time you spent on it mine was terrifying yeah mine's terrifying I, too i gasped <gasps> <laughs> shit yeah but yeah that's the place i'm at the most and my handle is reap of evil yeah, yeah. so yeah. all right so let's play one last song yeah what are we gonna hear from possessed you want to play it another yeah. song from there so i sang the last track on that album so in a cool reversal maybe you can play the first song on that album it's called earmarked to start again uh, tell us a little bit about that song and we'll end the show uh, on it. there's not there's less subtext in that one than uh some of my others that it's all pretty much in the words um but it's yeah it's the first track it's very scene setting kind of song uh, it's one i've played live every show since i wrote it i like that one awesome and you're about to hear it right now sam thank you so much this thank was you tom so much fun Hell yeah. come back anytime thank you I'll and we will hang out again soon this is sam later y'all <laughs> All this living makes you sick Moving on, is this how you imagined it? I've been broken, yeah Sometimes hopeless, yeah, that's true All that survived in the fire I learned from you In the distance here, the one Trains that fade into the night Going nowhere, yeah Feeling tied up to this point Disappeared in a cloud of real country noise Earmarked to start again This one you've read, this one you've abandoned This one you've got when you thought you could handle it Getting older starts to clutter All you know is where you're at is past the point of turning back Isolation, yeah No one's waiting anymore Drive all night, did you find what you're looking for? 
so much living in the past makes it hard to understand I've been cooped up, yeah Feeling stupid, feeling bad I want you to know this meant so much more than that